0: Hey everyone, thanks for joining us. Tim and I are really excited to have Don Watkins as our guest. Don is an author and an objectivist. And so I personally wanted Don to come on because Tim and I have debated our view of government multiple times and I've yet, I, I don't feel skilled enough to make the proper arguments and I'm hoping Don that you are, um, Because basically when Tim and I get into the weeds of practical implementation of his view as an anarcho-capitalist and my view, which is mostly in line with the objectivist view of government, as I understand it, it seems like there's very little actual difference, but I know that how important the differences are. And so I assume it must be some premise that we're not uh, able to agree upon. And so I think it's about the very like nature of what government is Um, I'm not sure if it's best to start with uh, with Don or Tim in terms of, you know, because one of you would think the other that anarcho capitalism is wrong and the other thinks that any government at all is wrong. So I don't know who wants to start as to why that is.
1: Can I, maybe, maybe I should outline because I think uh, David, I am, I'm kind of with you. Like I I don't love being an anarcho-capitalist. I don't love the conclusions that I've come to. And, uh, you know, maybe, uh, maybe our guests can help, help me see the error of where I'm going wrong here, where, where you failed, Uh, you know, because you're just a, a baby objectivist and you don't know enough to to correct my, my thinking or whatever. Uh, or maybe it could be that I'm just too dogmatic or I have blinders or, or what, or maybe I, I, I would pause it. And I, I, you know, I've talked with you uh, a, a number of times on this. I've talked to other objectivists. We had young Ryan Cooney on this channel cause he, he was convinced that I was making a grievous error and that I was like universes apart in, our view of ethics and and morality and government. And then when we had a chat, I couldn't find any real substantive differences. I think, you know, at the end of the day, to me, it seems like we're, we maybe disagree with the de- definition. Like I use the word government in a different way than you might, or something like that. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there are huge differences. I'm willing to be see see where we're, we're different. So let me lay out my, you know, how I arrived at my conclusions, and and maybe uh, our guests can can correct me or or see where I'm mistaken. So I, I you know, I became, I guess, uh, a libertarian um, through. Uh, Ayn Rand, mostly. Uh, It it was, um, you know, there was some, you know, Penn and Gillette, Penn Penn and Teller, and uh, they they had the show called Bullshit, and it had some very libertarian leanings. And I I started looking into this some more. I was interested in it because I was going through a phase where I was uh, escaping my evangelical past and and realizing that hmm, maybe the stories i've been told about god uh were wrong so i adopted kind of an attitudinal disposition of skepticism towards everything in my head that i realized had been put there by culture that i hadn't arrived at through first principles or through reason or evidence it was just simply going along with with the cultural flow that i'd been in so uh Penn and Teller had the show called Bullshit and I watched it because it, it debunked a lot of uh, things in the skeptic community, Loch Ness Monster, Bigfoot, uh, UFOs, uh, uh, vaccine, a- anti-vaccination. Um, but it also had a lot of libertarian things, you know, it challenged the recy- government recycling programs and handicapped parking and different things like that. Uh, so when I found out about libertarianism, I realized, oh, maybe my view of government and his been completely put there by culture as well um and you know then i was attracted to ayn rand for atheism and these objectivist philosophy really resonated with me i, I couldn't refute it it uh you know a is a there is an objective reality there we can we can comprehend it through uh our faculties through reason man as a volitional has volitional consciousness um we we make choices we're agents and you know that the from all this springs the non-initiation principle non-initiation of force principle um that that we can only use force protectively to protect from aggression but we can't use it aggressively to rape steal assault uh, murder and and uh, you know and then of course government is the arbiter or, or the final arbiter let's say of protecting those individual rights the the liberty the the um, uh, being the final arbiter to make sure that, uh, that those rights are protected. Um, but the thing, the things that didn't quite make sense for me and, you know, uh, I-, I tried to reconcile over the next few months was, uh, okay, if we can't initiate force, um, how, how can we understand government then? Because government is almost always, um, exists through the initiation of force. It establishes itself first of all, through kind of conquest and exploitation. Um, but let's imagine it didn't, uh, establish itself that way. How, how would it look? Um, how could we call it government if it was a a contract, let's say that we voluntarily arrange with to, to, uh, enforce law and order in, in a society. So, uh, that's it. I, I guess the the sticking point for me is that um, I couldn't understand where people get the right to uh, to impose a course of mono- monopoly that uses uh, the threat of force to pre- prevent other citizens from engaging in the same services or something like that, and. that seemed to fly in the face of uh, the objectivist principles that I subscribe to, that uh, individuals ought to be free, that they ought to be able to free to use their rationality and, um, and that you don't have the moral right to initiate force. And it seems like government can only exist through the initiation of force. So where, where am I going wrong here?
2: Well, I definitely want to set expectations in the sense that, you know, I, I have, uh, I, I don't know that I could convince you, but I'll at least share how right. I think about it. And um, I'm glad you kind of laid out your history because we've never met and it, it's always helpful to have uh, the context that somebody's coming into it. So, I mean, the way that I think about all of these things is um, that, you know, the starting point is like my desire for individuals to flourish and to be able to achieve the best life. And as you suggested, the way I see that is that we need to be able to engage in the kind of thought and action based on thought that allows us to achieve values in the world. And so if you, if your moral perspective is that individuals need to think produce and then deal with one another in voluntary exchange, then their question is all right well that's kind of a moral perspective on life but then one of the most important ways that we gain values from other human beings are by living in a society so not just you know on an island you and me running into each other from time to time and saying like, Hey, here's a fish, go build me a house or something. Right. But an ongoing interactive way of life with lots of people. And so there's always a question of, well, how do you organize a society? And historically, basically you can think of two rough stages. One is just, you know, might makes right. And then there's a stage of people th- thinking about, well, how do you subordinate might to right? And the, the, I think, up through as you know late as the enlightenment but certainly before the renaissance the kind of view was well it's that um you have to impose right on people right and this is this is the idea of all right the government's going to become the dictator of what's true and what's good and the kind of issue that it comes about in the enlightenment is a a, a beginning to understand that the good can't be imposed upon an individual that it's the result of his or her own thinking and the and the achievement of values is the result of his or her own action and they didn't have this fully articulated but it's the kind of things that you see for instance Locke wrestling with in the second treaties and uh the his letter on toleration is this idea of all right well on the one hand we need government because we want to achieve something good and on the other hand it seems like you can't dictate the good and this is where the whole perspective of individual rights comes out of where what rights are doing is saying no government's not going to force the good on people it can't actually do that it's going to create the social conditions under which individuals can pursue the true and the good and so it's the idea of we're going to we're going to liberate we're going to protect our ability to gain the benefits of living society, knowledge, trade, and companionship. Um, and we're going to extract the thing that, per, that the, the fundamental harm that people can engage in. And we, and we will probably want to come back to why there's so much of a focus, both in the enlightenment, but certainly in objectivism on the unique evil of force, but it's, we're going to extract force from human relationships. And to extract force, you have to define the boundaries of, individual sphere of action so in order to even know you know what forces there's some obvious cases if i just walk up and punch you in the nose clearly that's force but there's harder to articulate cases uh such as you know the whole issue of you know physical goods what do i rightfully own and what does it mean for you to engage in force and that's what the whole perspective of rights is it's guiding a government and creating a society where we're extracting force so that we can live voluntarily and so the point so this whole perspective then is okay if we want to create a kind of society where that's possible you need to be able to define really clearly what people's rights are And then you need to be able to enforce that. You need to be a force it through objective procedures, procedures that I know ahead of time, like what is the sphere in which I'm able to act independently and what will be the consequences if I violate somebody's rights. And so once you're setting up a government, what you're doing is precisely you're extracting force from human affairs and you're putting retaliatory force that are objective control. So then if somebody comes along in that scenario and says, well, I just want to use force however I feel like, or even I want to do it, and don't worry, I'll be really, really deliberate about how I do it. From the perspective of other people in society, that person is a threat. They're unilaterally using force by God knows what kind of standards. And the concept that I find really helpful, which I got from the philosopher Greg Salmieri, is that there's this concept in law of menacing, right? So it's, you're doing something, uh, you know, if you stand up, in a theater and you start waving a gun around you haven't shot anybody but you're menacing your that from their perspective they have no clue what's going inside your head and they have every right to view that as a threat and if you view it more widely somebody who's unilaterally in a context where you're barring force from human relationships coming along and saying i'm going to do it my way um and and every person rightfully views that as a threat that there's no process there's no way that an objective third party can look and say, yeah, this is force being used uh, by certain standards, by certain legal standards to assess is, you know, is, is this really retaliation or is this really initiation? So there's no issue of a government stopping that saying, Oh, well, he didn't initiate force. Yes, he did. He put himself outside the bounds of an objective process of law. And so the there's, there's from that perspective, I think no reason to view what a uh, proper government is doing as, as initiating force at all. It's um, it, it's precisely that you, it's precisely in the name of protecting rights and protecting a provable threat um, that you would engage in that kind of action.
1: Okay. Yeah. I mean, that, that sounds, yeah, I, You know, that, that sounds like something that I might not call a government because, um, you know, I might use a different term like defense agency or something like that. Uh, it's somewhat something that you contract with to you, because you're right, you don't, you, you know, and anarcho capitalists, uh, don't believe in this idea of using whim. We, you know, most of us come to anarcho capitalism through objectivist philosophy and, and just say that, you know, objectivism, um, you know, Ayn Rand gets all the personal stuff and the principles just right, but maybe doesn't have a fully formed uh political. Uh, theory that that necessarily follows from that, or, or maybe hasn't thought about it um, fully, right? There's just not a lot of writing about um, how an objectivist government would work and how it would deal with things like, um, um, you know, people wanting to secede and and other like. Where does the right for, for this government to be formed come from? Um, how does it have rights that its citizens don't, for example? And and so, uh, you know. To me, if, if, you know, all this sounds great, you, you need a third party, you don't want uh, people using whim, you want to, you want a society that uh, follows objectivist law, and to me, objectivist law requires that you can't use initiatory force to start a competing service, I guess, in, um, in force itself, um, because that That's would be the initiation for, but, of force.
2: Well, but the, no, 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 but the whole thing is that force is not a service. That, that is not the right way to think about government. It's that you have an institution. So you have to think about really how this comes about, which is that a free society is formed when there's a core of people who want to extract force from human affairs. They want to protect people's ability to live freely. And so they set up a government. And it's a government which, if it's, if it's actually uh, protecting rights, it's which a like, but isn't the government just
1: with- people so how are you extracting it from humans
2: no, you're not extracting it from humans. What you're extracting it from is the arbitrary discretion of individuals. Right. And even if an individual in his own mind, this is my point before, is not being arbitrary, from the perspective of other people in society, it's arbitrary unless there's a process, unless it's, here's a, here's a legal code, here's a legal process in which the evidence is brought before the public and representatives of the public in the form of the jury, and in which we know the kind of punishments and they've been determined through a process it's it, 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 it's um you're you're extracting it from the unilateral decision of any individual and you're putting it under an objective process and that and so it's if somebody looks at that achievement because you have to think like how hard it is to come up with a government that's doing anything like that and their answer is ah, i just want to do it my way like that is not rational um, yeah. That and if and and if he's, and if a person says, okay, well, I want to do it and I'm going to make an even you know better society. Uh, well, fine, more power to you. But if you try to actually implement that and use force against any of the citizens of our country, you're done because that because our job as a government is to protect the rights of our citizens.
1: Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm not sure. Uh, I'm, I'm ha- having a hard time seeing where we disagree. I mean, if, if this agency you're calling the government doesn't initiate force or use coercion, um, you know, I don't see that we have any real disagreement.
0: Um, And see this, the, the point that Tim and I often got to was like, you know, my, my understanding is that government is the singular entity that allows the abstraction of force out of the like general day-to-day living and everyone in a certain geographical area agrees to that premise. Um, Whereas the anarcho-capitalist position is, well, if we can have one of those, why couldn't we have two that compete? Right. And wouldn't the quote free market then determine which of the two has the better, more objective laws. And then people could choose the ones, the one that they think it, is better and my underst- my impression of that well it, as soon as you allow that premise you're you actually undermine the very point of government because now you just have two different groups who can choose their whims you have to have an entity that's purpose is the abstraction of force and it's not the same as other um, yeah but
1: that entity is the same as any other entity it 's just made of humans, and what restrains it from you know especially if it has if it enforces a monopoly on on force i mean uh what stops it from from doing every other thing where the means of production are are monopolized? Um, how, how does it, what are the incentives for it to stay tried and true? I mean, clearly it's in people in government, um, self-interest to, uh, to flourish and they do that. They can do that better by predating on people. And so what, what stops it from just becoming an institution that uses whims? What we have now, you know, and you know, I I can use the U S government as an example. It had a fairly. You know, it was it wasn't fully formed, and maybe that was the problem. But uh, you know, we hold these truths to be self-evident that uh, all men, you know, have the right to pursue life, liberty, and the, you know, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Um, and then you have you know a constitution that's supposed to restrain government, and yet um, government has still grown despite those chains that were put on it. Uh, you know, it's proven to be so. So I don't know what restrains. Uh, uh, an organization that has a monopoly on force from from uh not being very effective right and it might not it might stay, still hold true to objective law let's say you could restrain it, but maybe it's just not very good at retaliatory force maybe it's bad at catching bad guys or maybe it's not you know it, like that you could think of a number of reasons why you would want some choice in how objectivist law um gets enforced right
2: Look, I think there's a lot. There's a lot that's going on there. So first of all, it's it, it's relevant that I mean, objectivism is a whole account of why it is that freedom disintegrated. It's not that free governments necessarily or inherently are always moving away from freedom. And in fact, the creation of the United States is the most eloquent example, where it's here we took you know. It was we're going to create a government that's more free and then you can look at the trajectory of other countries and even other times in the united states and they become more free and even today there's respects in which people are becoming more free and so i I think this model that it's that there's this inherent tendency towards tyranny is wrong i think what you what is true is that a government can't be better than its culture and if you have ideas that are antithetical to freedom then you aren't going to get more freedom and so Right. if you and and so this is why objectivism puts a big emphasis on the fact that freedom is not obviously a value, and that if you have an ethics that detaches the good and the true from reason, any form of sacrifice, any form of duty, any form of you know mysticism, any form of whim and subjectivism it, once you have uh, once you say that the good is something detached from reason. Then force is seen as good and and so that the um, the 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 fundamental reason that we we 've seen trends away from freedom is because it 's been very rare historically that you have anything like a view of a, a culture that really upholds reason and recognizes that the good is connected to reason and this was really why the object, why objectives have such a high uh, view of the enlightenment because here was a a time when um, many of the leading people in the culture um, had an enormous respect for reason. I mean, the, if you think about it, the universally admired figure was a scientist, it was a Newton. And so um, I don't think that there's this inherent tendency. If you think about the kind of, uh, if you have a culture that actually values reason and therefore values freedom, why it, kind of devolves into into a coercive government um, in, in the sense that we're talking about. But I think there's very much this blending of using terms um, to refer to government and a political context that do not apply to them. There's a blending of, um, force and markets or force and competition. And you can't, th- those terms don't apply because force is not a good, it's not a service. It's precisely what stops people from interacting voluntarily. It's, it's, um, it, it, it is. Can you
1: describe that a bit more? I'm, I'm not sure how you mean it's not a service. You know, if I hire a security guard to keep bad guys out of my place, that seems like I'm, I'm contracting a service in force. Am I but not that- sure?
2: So, but that's, but that's a different context, right? So there it's, there's an immediate, like a security guard doesn't chase down somebody who tried to break into your house and strangle him and decide I'm going to lock you up in jail for 12 years. He's in effect acting as your surrogate for immediate self-defense. And the major role of a security guard is to scare people away and contact the police. In other words, to engage the people who are going to undergo, undergo a process that has been organized in order to protect the rights of everyone involved. And so if a security guard just saw somebody lurking around, started beating him bl- to a bloody pulp, you'd say like, no, that security guard is violating it, rights. And, and so that's why you need, that's why the whole stress is on force used objectively. And, the, and so if you try to make concrete, oh, I'm just going to start another government. Like that, what that really amounts to is not I'm starting another government or I have a protection agency. What it means is I'm going to use force and I'm not going to follow the rules that people have consented to, to, in, but, but in isn't order that to the definition of
1: government? Isn't no. that how all governments are formed? How would, how would an objectivist government form without doing something like that?
2: Well, but that's precisely what I said. It's you have people who establish a government, right? Like so,
0: think about okay, the founding how fathers does it do have done.
2: It, you, you can't interrupt me. Okay. Um, so you have people, the the founding fathers. They establish a government, and you think about what an achievement that was. Like how hard it was for them to establish a government, and the kind of thinking that went involved into saying, like, here's the fundamental set of uh, uh, the you know the branches of government. Here's the policies that they're going to follow. Here's the kind of legal code that's going to exist. Um, and what, what does it mean that that government is legitimate? It's that, that rational people establish principles based on individual rights. And so, if somebody's going to come along then and say, like, no, I'm not going to consent to that, I want to use force whenever I want, then that is illegitimate. And the only legitimacy is if they went through the same process, but were more consistent, assuming there were contradictions in the founding, which in that case, there were. So if you had, if you had people at the time who said, we're going to do that, but hey, by the way, we're going to free the slaves. All right, then you have to have a war. And whichever, you know, government wins, wins. And hopefully it's the one that was protecting rights more consistently. But what, but you can't say, well, it's illeg- the government's violating rights because it's preventing somebody from just starting whatever uh, from using force um, by their you know, arbitrary discretion and say, so therefore I want a system where everybody can use force by their arbitrary discretion. It's not the same thing.
1: Yeah, but the, the sticking point for me, and help me figure this one out is how you know, where do did, where did these people get the right to form a government in the first place? Where did the founding fathers? get the right uh, to do that.
2: Well, but that's precisely the point that a government only has powers delegated to it by individuals. So it's as an individual, you have a right to defend your rights, but now you're an individual in society. And so the point is that, okay, well, in order to... Actually, be able to do that, and it not be a literal war of all against all, with everybody saying, "Well, I think my, you know, I think I have the right to do this, and I think I have a right to do that." You create an institution that is the arbiter and the, uh, that defines and sanctions your actual rights, and and so it's the whole issue of though it, it doesn't have any powers above what individuals morally have, um, but it's not like well, we have to take a poll, and if a hundred people don't consent to it. And like, that's not how it works at all. You have to think, you have to think about these things, like realistically, how could this work? And it's precisely that you have individuals who are thinking about this and saying, well, like, look, people have these rights. And so um, we're going to create an institution to which that power is delegated so that we can actually have a peaceful society versus one where people are unilaterally deciding when they're going to shoot somebody in the head.
1: Yeah, I guess I'm hearing an argument from practicality there, but I'm just I'm trying to wrap my head around um, how how that's voluntary, right? How how there's consent. Well, how um, is it
2: voluntary? How is it voluntary and there's consent if everybody can just go around doing whatever the hell they want?
1: Well, it's not. You can't harm people. You have to follow objectivist law, right? And I mean, that, that's the only but, way no, to describe a voluntarist society. So,
2: but what I'm saying is anarchism. See, we're treating this as if it's okay. Well, if it, you have to be able to kind of like explain in you know fine detail this issue of consent, but the alternative that's being held out is basic, not basically, it's literally gang warfare. And then, well, you can I, I have, mean, and then you can that, have theories of, yeah, well, yeah. my gang warfare my gang warfare is just going to be a bunch of people being rational. But that's a fantasy. So, like, in reality, the alternative is you have a process by which we create a government or you have bloody gang warfare. And so it's the, 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 um, it, it, you have to be able to explain if you're so concerned about force and you're so concerned about consent how the alternative of bloody warfare is a moral alternative.
0: Well, I think it's important to capture why you and I think anarcho capitalism is bloody like gang warfare because I do believe that, but I think Tim doesn't agree with that. And anarcho capitalism
1: don't—they don't understand. I, I, I think statism why. is bloody gang warfare. I, th- I think that's exactly that describes exactly what we have now. And you know, the U.S. is the uh, the biggest imperial force, uh, central bank printing thing. It started out relatively great as you know the founders had this objectivist uh quasi objectivist uh government it wasn't perfect but it was the closest thing we had it was a great achievement and but we see how that has grown and you know that's kind of predictable once you uh when once you take um objective law which is really conceivable at the individual level right it's you don't need um a government to say what objective law is we can we all as individuals have rationality we can we can comprehend it and and you know by your own admission, we would only ever achieve an objectivist society if an, a tipping point of people um, adopted that and, and I agree that, that that would have to happen for an anarcho capitalist society as well um, but once you you know, after generations of living under this omnipresent legal system, people get the impression that uh, the source of law is government, not um, natural objective law uh, as comprehended by reason and rationality by the individual. And well, and then, you know, I, what we see is this thing. So uh, we have gang warfare now. We have chaos now. And and that comes from this belief that um, you know, granting a monopoly on violence is uh is the best way to go i think
2: hold on let me just say two quick things like yeah i agree that the whole about the the point of um bloody warfare gang warfare is statism and that's the whole point objectivism's view is that anarchy and it's wrong to call it anarcho-capitalism because anarcho-capitalism is a fantasy what you have is you, you have no government and then you have to think about you have to look what happens when there's no government and what you have is bloody warfare. And it's the same thing in a totalitarian state. They're just two forms of the same thing. And the, what was the other point that you raised that I wanted to comment on? Um, Well, it escapes me. So go ahead, David.
0: So I think it's important to note that just because the U S government did trend away from freedom over like since its founding, that doesn't mean it's necessarily the case, right? Um, So I think to say that government inherently would follow that path is wrong. It did in this instance, like it went away from freedom, um but i I, I mean david though that to to me that's like saying
1: that this that this uh you know shoe factory in russia owned and operated by the state it doesn't have to be bad at producing uh shoes but yet you know we understand through incentives that when the state has monopoly on things um production you know the quality gets shitty over time we see this in canada right when when uh Free uh, when, when we brought in universal healthcare, it worked great for, for a little while because uh, doctors were coming out of a free market system where they did things like trade eggs for services to poor people. And, and, you know, they really wanted to help people and provide value to them. And they brought that work ethic into the new system. But of course, over time, the incentives are to serve the government bureaucracy, not the citizens. And um, we, we see a degradation in production of services. So I don't understand how something as important as, as law and force, um, how, how that is somehow immune from, um, from, from these skewed incentives that monopoly enforced monopolies bring.
0: So I think you're conflating a couple of things when you bring in these other examples, but it's very hard for me to put my finger on it. I don't know if Don can, but the other point I wanted to make about your statement earlier is um, like if you had your system in place now in the States, there would be a black lives matter government or defense organization and a Trump government and defense organization, both with the uh, alleged legal right to enforce their view of objective law. And you would just have an actual war already because they would think they have the, the right, the sanction to do that in your system. I don't understand how you think that wouldn't be the case.
1: Well, I mean that's the case right now. But I, I, look, no, I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't disagree with you that um, you know if we snapped our fingers and, and made the government go away tomorrow, that that things would be wonderful. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. It would devolve into gang warfare. I think there would be um, strong men rise up and offer security in exchange for for uh, support. And you know, you you would just have the return of statism. And I mean that describes the world now as well. So I, I don't think we. We can get there um, through anything less than a cultural revolution where people uh adopt these principles i think that's highly unlikely and so i agree i think anarcho-capitalism is a fantasy um you know at least now it is and uh, you know i also think that an objectivist government is a fantasy as well i don't think you get there without um a-, a cultural revolution either and i don't think the two are are actually any different from each other i think that an objectivist um society with what they, you might call a government would be essentially what I would describe as an anarcho-capitalist society. I'm not exactly sure what the difference would be.
0: The difference would be that you think there would be competing governments allowed, right? And people could choose in a specific geographical area. Well, Well, let's talk about what you mean by government, first of all. Well, regardless, you think there would be It would be acceptable for multiple entities to exist with uh, as much force behind their rules as they'd like. That they have. Uh, Well,
1: no, that's that's not quite true. That's not quite true. I I just think that um, you know, if if you, you know, well, I I mean, let's talk about um.
0: So if I may I want to I want to step back a bit because I'm interested in Don's thoughts on this generally as well because this is often where Tim and I get to and I think a lot of people in the liberty movement get to when I'm trying to explain to them why this anarcho-capitalist position is wrong and I don't know personally how to continue the conversation because it feels like there's a lot of threads up in the air and like they don't make sense to me they don't integrate and I don't have the ability to capture them all and explain them. And so like, is it, should I just give up on Tim? Cause like, well, I uh, don't know how to
1: it, it, go it may further. Be, but uh, here's the thing. I, I think that you're, you guys are kind of arguing a straw man a little bit, you know, the way you're characterizing anarcho-capitalism, it's a fantasy, it's, you're going to have warring gangs. I mean, that, that doesn't describe an anarcho-capitalist society. And I get it. it's a fantasy. It, it's a, it's a, it describes a, a future, like, fantasy place where people all subscribe to objectivist principles and they are interested in having a, a third party, uh, arbitrate disputes with due process and, and with all the things that you mentioned. So I think we're describing a similar future that I do think it's fantasy. Uh, but you know, well, I, I wait, think
2: wait, just to be clear, that's not what I meant by fantasy. So fantasy doesn't okay. mean Like hard to achieve or unlikely. What I meant is that the only actual things that exist in reality are you have a government and there can be different types of governments or you have anarchy. Anarcho capitalism is here's our system where there's no government and I'm going to tell you exactly the processes and things and way it's going to work. There is no how it's going to work there is you actually have a government or you have people who you are deciding how to use force and we have concrete examples of that in reality like we don't need to hunt for you know th- this is what happened in iceland or something like we can look at places where there's th- where government is not functioning and it's literally sure. it's things like the mafia it's things like um you know, war, like literal warlords at each other's throats, where they're where the, where none of them has supremacy, and so they're engaging yep. in uh, you know bloody warfare. And so, my point is that w- when you're thinking about government, what you're doing in essence is you're saying, well, what are the actual alternatives on the table? And what ha- what the, this whole debate gets framed as if there's two alternatives on the table. One is I'm going to tell you all the processes by which my you know um, my system that is not a system is going to op- operate. And then there's people who are saying, well, let's look at the actual nature of governments. And here's one. And, and here's you know what we uh, and what we've seen is that a government can actually function by individual rights and protect people's rights. And we could do it even better. And there's ways to improve it. And so you, and so whenever you're comparing a reality to a fantasy, to my made up, here's how my non-system is going to function, it's very easy to make the non, it's easy to make the fantasy look superior. Um, But that's not the right way to think about it.
1: Well, first of all, I have no idea how an anarcho-capitalist system would work. I mean, that's like um, saying I'm against slavery and I'm going to tell you how 100 years from now, um, you know, cotton's going to be. Uh, harvested and and used um I, I don't know i just know that initiation of force is uh, a violation of so, uh, of ethics and uh, i don't understand how you guys can support an institution that that well you you um, still have established you still, been,
2: you still have not established though why a government as objectivism describes a proper government violates it, it initiates force right and well, so i
0: think if i give, may i go ahead I want to, yeah, I think this is the sticking point, right? So Tim, I, I really like the term you brought up, menacing, right? So Tim thinks, and correct me if I'm wrong, that government as such is menacing. So if anyone wants to disagree with their rules, they are not able to do that. And so government infringes on their rights to establish a competing government or to establish their own um to enact something they, they wish to enact. Right. Whereas I think that the flip side is that an arc like the very idea that any single person would do that is menacing, right? That in a, in a group of people who've decided to live together, if any one person decides they don't like the rules, we've all agreed to anymore. They want to set up their own entity with their own rules that is immediately yeah. menacing. And so, you know, I think that that person is the one who's menacing, who's threatening the rest because yeah. this group of people have agreed that these are the objective rules that protect our individual rights. But you're saying as soon as that is...
1: No, going, no, I, I totally agree with that.
0: But then you're somehow, I don't understand, then you think that a separate group would be able to come up with a different enforcement plan of those same rules, or if you agree that someone going out on their own separate from the agreed upon rules is menacing, that's what you're advocating for is that a group of people could do that.
1: Well, I I think private communities would have rule sets, right? And, And you voluntarily agree to those rule sets when you join that private community. And if you violate those rules or try to go your own way or become the ruler of property that's not yours um, you get kicked out you lose your your privileges or you get locked in a in in a jail or something like that so you know I, I, I don't disagree with you that you know we, we can't have warring factions um, I guess where my sticking point is is generally speaking um, you know I'm trying to understand where this thing you call government differentiates from what you could just call a defense agency. I mean, government right now has a monopoly on coercive force on aggressive force. Um, It can violate our rights with impunity. That's kind of, it has a, a monopoly, um, the, like th- there's an involuntary relationship. In other words, I don't have any kind of contract contract or reciprocal to, uh, or access to justice when it comes to the government violating uh, my rights right now. And I imagine I would hope that an objectivist government would have some kind of um, mechanism for that. And I would think it would be some kind of contractual arrangement um, where if the government didn't live up to its end of the contract, there would be some access to justice or something like that. Um, But my concern is that under that, that, you know, by any standard definition of government um, it's a coercive monopoly that prohibits its citizens from engaging in the services of an alternate institution. Right. So uh, what if I don't like uh, the way I I don't think that your cops are very good at retaliatory force and I have some stolen my property and I find another institution that follows objectivist law that uses all the standards, but they're just better at retrieving my, my items. Why wouldn't I give them my money as opposed to a different one or something like that? I mean, that, that's a specific service, right?
0: I I don't know if I agree it's a service, but better in that sense, only one of the two would be right. There would be a, an there would be a right amount of retaliatory force that was po- like, I'm not saying they- Well, I,
1: I get that, but, but they just might not be very good at finding the, the thief or something like that. Maybe they're bad right. at investigating me that maybe they, they, um, you know, they don't have good equipment. Uh, I don't know, maybe another, you know, bounty hunters can use objective law and, and, and not go over the binds and some will be better than others. They're just better at, at doing the job. And,
2: wait, 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 hold on. Like, we, these, are, these are turning into word games. Like you really have to take seriously this. So Matt, like you're living in a country like this, but the government's not you know, stopping people from using drugs. It's not violating the rights of businessmen. We yep. have like a free society and you look and say the police are not that good. So literally, like you have to think about what the, what this means. So you go around and you get a bunch of guys and you hand them guns and you say, all right, go around, start snooping for bad guys and locking them up. Like to say, well, they're just better at it. Better, Like better at what? Okay. But again, what? you're, you're like,
1: asking me to describe how this works. I don't know how it works. You know, you're the one asking me all the minutiae and if I can't come up, you know, it's not like minutia. a God of the gaps no, kind no, no, of thing. No, no.
2: No, No, but but you're describing
1: exactly, you know, you're using the exact scenario we have to discount me right now. Like what's to stop your government from going around and doing things at a whim? What what controls it? What, what, you know, and I'm saying the same forces that control your government, that restrain it, that make it operate with perfect objective, uh, uh, you know, law would be the ones that drive mine. Except mine would have the benefit of having competing market forces uh, preventing it from going off the rails. No, there's not competing market
2: forces. It's competing guys with guns. So I'm sitting at my house, right? And like I'm going about my day job. And now there's a guy knocks at my door, not from the government, but from like, you know, uh, you know, Timco and says, hey, we're putting you in jail. Like, I, I, of course, I want my government to step in and say, Who the hell are these guys? And uh, we're not going to let you do that. Like, the, 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 the whole scenario, you have to really think about what it would look like in reality. And and you can't say, well, Hey, we're locking Donna, but don't worry. Our police are way more efficient. Right. No, you've yeah, got, to mean, you've, you're
1: describing all the things that people would be worried about. Right. I mean, this is like saying without no, 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 uh, that, government, this isn't even uh, worried how, about, this is a
2: actual, this is literally what it would look like to yeah. you're, you're sending a whole bunch of armed people out to do.
0: God knows what, and, and it's unavoidable. It's not like, you know, the details. It's unavoidable because if, there, if people have a right to establish their own defense agency, and you're saying, okay, defense agency one is David Coe, he follows objectivist rules. Tim Co. also follows objectivist rules, but has a bit more of an aggressive police force. That's already, I think there's errors there. But even, as soon as you establish that precedent, what prevents Bill Co from establishing their defense agency that follows whatever rules they want? How do you, who has any right to stop Bill from creating Bill Co and following his rules? No one. And so, as soon as so Bill Co does what prevents Bill from, that, from
1: becoming a state or something.
0: I don't understand what you mean. You throw that out as if it's like a winning argument. I don't understand. No, no. I,
1: I, but, but I mean. That's, I don't know. I feel like we're, we're talking in circles. You're, you're, I mean, it sounds like the the argument you're making is that uh, these defense companies will start acting like governments. And I'm like, okay, well, why would we institutionalize the very thing we're trying to protect against?
2: Well, no, you know, the why point would we is once you've a- institutionalized one that is good, then of course that it's not going to allow people to just go around and shove guns in the face of its citizens. Why and and your view is yeah it should let them do that?
1: Well, no, I I I don't know what it should let them do. Uh, but I, I all I'm saying is like the arguments I'm hearing are that it it sounds similar to when George Bush said uh, that he was forced to sacrifice free market principles to save the free market system. I, I keep hearing. But,
2: wait, but this is the point I keep trying to pin you down on. What exact how exactly is a government that is protecting people's rights initiating force? So if we're positive well, it, it's, we it's not. One. It's
1: not. If it's protecting people's rights, it's definitely not uh, um, initiating force. Uh, you know, it would be initiating force if um, it. if you someone
0: know, got a bunch of tanks on their private property and wanted to establish something then they'd the government you're saying would initiate force to prevent that from no, happening no
1: no 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 i think you'd be, i don't think it's initiating force to keep those kind of people out of your society you know to wall them off let's say um or even to use retaliatory you know y- y- if you're if you're living in a community with other people there's going to be rules um right but y- y- like i, I don't like, here here's where the sticking point is for me maybe maybe this will help like it seems like there's a dichotomy here or that you're separating use of force, justice, law, as if it's not a service or a good, that it's like some, um, I don't know, something else. It's an abstraction that everything is built on or something like that. And that, I think that's the part where I'm having trouble wrapping my head around this because to me it seems like a concrete service. Like justice is, seems like a concrete service. Um, Retaliatory force seems like a concrete service. It it protects individuals.
0: I think Don might have a better answer to this than I do, but I want to, then this might be too glib, but like when you talk about the free market, my understanding is it's free of force. So to say, so you have to abstract free of initiatory force. force. You have to abstract force out to even have a market and you're saying you want a market right. of force, which doesn't make any sense to me. Well, I'm I interested.
1: want well because yeah. So you can imagine a market of security guards, right? That that you guys have no problem with. It's immediate in the moment. It protects people. They can use force if necessary to to uh, repel trespassers or people that are, are violating your property. So we have a market in force there, right? So I can choose which, and and they're not using force against each other, right? They're not. Companies that are using force against each other to enforce a monopoly. So, uh, you know, I don't think it's too but many. But the point is levels. that they're
2: subject to the law. So it's uh, the security sure. guard is there, and if somebody tries to hurt you, they can stop you. But then what happens? What happens is they have to go to court, the police yep. do an investigation, and they decide, like, all right, was this li- real self protection? That's a completely different context than saying there is no court system. This, there's basically my guys with guns and your guys with guns, and then they're going to have to duke it out if there's disagreements. like that's No,
1: the, I, I'm not saying and, there and would not so the be court system. Of course, there would be, there'd be a huge but, market for justice. And, you know, if, so, of course, there would be two, courts.
0: If there's competing courts and they disagree yeah. about something, and I pay court A and you pay court B, and they disagree... How do you solve that problem? Who are uh, well, the you Again, you're, you're asking
1: me to get into like,
0: No, I'm not tactical asking details. This, I mean, no, there, there's been is plenty not a, of this written about- this is a vote. fundamental issue, right? Like there is no answer. And you're saying that there's, it's a no, but, but But there
1: is an answer because the only way you, you like, I think you guys get this right. There, there has to be a third party arbitrator. If you're living in a complex society, right. Where there's lots of interactions going on. There's lots of people you, you can't get, go in and buy bread. You can't use roads. You can't in, operate in society without a third party arbitrator. So, um, you know, yeah, you have to have some kind of arbitration. I mean, Stefan Molyneux has written about this, you know, that actually his his um, article called Cage the Beast is what kind of changed my mind and flipped me into anarcho-capitalism from kind of minarchist objectivism because I couldn't get past this, how would things work? How how could we have a society, for example, without a bit of taxation or some kind of involuntary thing? How would law and order work? Um, you know, he, he wrote a one way it could work and i mean again this is like trying to imagine what um what how cotton will get picked when you're an abolitionist um i'm trying to attack the moral principle here but you know you you would have to have some kind of agency underwriting you you could call it government or dispute resolution organization um they don't necessarily have to be at war with each other they i mean they their every incentive would be to um to to cooperate i mean that's violence is not um, you know does not pay in an objectivist world where people uh, are opposed well, the, to it right
2: is, i mean two things so first of all what we were just to go back, so we don't drop the thread we are trying to get like what is the distinction between like a market and force and you have to think that what uh, econ- economic activity or a market what it's referring to is your trade you're creating goods and you're trading them and that's diametrically opposed to pointing a gun in somebody's face. So sure. the way objectivism will often put it is there's a distinction between economic and political power. That one is the power to offer people positives, and one is a pure power of a negative. It's exactly what interferes with the market. And so a market in, in force. What that means is that I mean, what I mean really has no meaning. But the the concrete uh, version of it is my side versus your side with guns and then this idea that's very common in the kind of anarcho-capitalist literature that oh well here's the incentive system that keeps people from using it i think that whole model of human behavior is wrong because we actually know what it looks like um when people when when you have different sides with guns at each other's throats and it's not like okay when there's a complete breakdown of society what happens is people form um organized systems and go to a third party and go through a court system Uh, no what they do is they go to war and that is like like the um, that's why I keep stressing that is literally what it looks like when when you don't have a government enforcing, yeah. When you when you don't have laws. a go-
1: when you don't have a government, it, it goes to gang. It, it results in statism very quickly because you have people form gangs and then they get good go. So so we agree. You, you would need a cultural revolution. I mean, I, I don't want to snap my finger tomorrow and make the government disappear because I don't imagine that would deal with statism. Statism is in the hearts of of men, just like objectivism is in the hearts of men. Just like law it ought to be in the hearts of men. And so until us until we have a society that. Uh, inscribes let's say anarchist or objectivist law on their hearts uh we won't have the kind of society that you and i want to see um
2: well but yeah, let's so be clear it's about, the kind of society that like w- w- you know it's not like my, our view certainly my view is not well it's oh 90 percent of the people are objectivists or something like that i mean if you think about the enlightenment it was it was a relatively small portion of the population yeah, it was 10 percent tipping point right according to about- research Yeah, and so it's whatever it is, it's it's a relatively small part of the population, Mm -hmm. but who's very sort of influential. And so, you know, the, the in that sort of context, you have to remember, there's still going to be significant portions of the population, who are evil, violent, and everything like that. And those people will be more than happy to pick up guns and uh, try to enforce their will and so that's the the whole thing is that you're you have created a society and like the achievement is you create a society that subordinates might to right and the idea of okay well wouldn't it be better if everybody could decide how to use might no that's exactly what we're trying to get away from what we're trying to get to is that we have a system of objective laws and objective procedures and so then if it's a bunch of you know non cops are running around telling people what to do saying oh don't worry they're going to like you know have even better procedures and they're going to be even more efficient no that 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 is yeah. it's not violating anybody's rights to lock them up and that's exactly what a proper government should do there's no initiation of force there
1: yeah, I guess, you know, I'm getting a little frustrated because you guys uh, keep strawmanning me. You keep saying so that, you, I, you know, they're going to be at each other's throats. It's going to be gang warfare. Like that, that's the vision of the future, I imagine. Um, and I'm saying, look, you, you guys, I'm, I think I'm pretty much lockstep with you. I just want to make sure that um, whatever institution you call government, um, that that it doesn't enforce its vo- monopoly violently. Right. And, you know, I'm worried, too, that when you have a monopolistic thing that and you say, right, that there are going to be people that want to impose their will wandering around society. I mean, it seems like the last thing you want to do is institutionalize where all the violence happens and risk having them giving them keys to the monopoly.
0: So I want to basically put an end to this, this portion of the conversation, because I don't think it's going to be any more productive, right? It seems like we, there's this fundamental difference that cannot be bridged. And I'm interested in talking a bit about that. So does it, sure. if either of you have a last point, you want to like make clear about your differentiation um, before we kind of shift a little bit uh, feel free Do either of you have any final thoughts on the specifics of what we've talked about so far. Uh, Not for
1: me. I think, you know, we've talked in circles. Yeah.
0: And so, yeah, so I'm really interested. I mean, Tim and I have talked about this a bit, so I'm particularly interested in Don and your thoughts on it as well, but Tim and I are very open and honest with each other. And like, you know, I find it really frustrating. I think he talks in circles and I like, I would put the blame on him and he would put the blame on us as if we're each straw manning each other. And I'm interested in like, Your view of how this conversation went and also the intersection with the libertarian movement as such, because, you know, I still think there's value in engaging with anarcho-capitalists and things like that, but I often get frustrated. And, And so there's this idea of, you know, according to Tim's view, our differences are small and far in the future, so we may as well work together. And that's the view of the libertarian party as such. But that's not the objectivist view, right? Like Ayn Rand thought libertarians were perverting liberty. And, and if we're trending towards anarcho-capitalism, that's worse than bad government. And or, or perhaps that's a misstatement. But so I'm interested in, in the thoughts of the differences between these views and, and like the frustrations and how if, if and how we would be able to work together.
2: Well, I mean, I'll say, I'll say a couple of things. Um, so the first thing I'll say is make it uh, a crucial distinction about where I feel I have expertise. So I think um, what I'm good at and what I think the most high leverage activity is, is to formulate and create really compelling content, content uh, and arguments articulating why a free society, which includes a government protecting that free society or establishing freedom, uh, is good. And I think it's, it's relevant to, you know, engage the arguments the other side. Then there's the issue of, like, you know conversation um and i'm not actually particularly good at one-on-one conversation i know something about how to do it effectively um but those can be very challenging and they can be challenging for a number of reasons some of which we've seen illustrated here one is that like they can get emotional but two is just that whenever you're dealing with uh, a lot of complexity um even being able to keep clear what the subject is. So for instance, if I was actually, uh, one of the things that I've done in my work with Alex Epstein is that like he has a whole view of how to have constructive conversations. And part of it is establishing really clear ground rules, such as, and one of the major ones is keeping things at one issue at a time. And as you saw here, this is much more how conversations typically happen, which is they bounce on 30 different issues and you never clarify anything. And then a point that you made before suddenly that's treated as if it wasn't made. Like it they have just so many dynamics that make them very hard. So my general view is that the best thing you do is you create uh really clarifying content that's not gonna like enable everybody to get it. But that's the most high leverage sort of thing that you can do. And then if you're good at conversations, which again, I'm not um, then you can, you know, help somebody in a one-on-one environment. But um, yeah, that's that's an area where I don't claim to be, you know, the, the world's most successful uh, persuader.
0: When I suppose I had hoped I would have been a better mediator, because I was trying to figure out how, what is the fundamental issue? Because Tim and I often get in these, like, you know, we've talked for three to five hours about this specific issue. And with Tim and I agree on most things, but the ones we disagree on, we have no ability to reconcile at all, it seems. So to me, there must be some fundamental difference. And then we're trying to talk about the vector. And I was hoping this conversation would trend towards that fundamental difference, but I don't know what it is. um, Well, I, I I, I think
2: that everything hinges on does a proper government inherently violate rights by stopping people from declaring that hey we're going to enforce our view of what's you know right uh at the point of a gun and i think no it doesn't violate that's that if it stops somebody from doing that that is not the initiation of force—that's um, protecting the rights of its citizens—and and I, I take it that Tim's view is no, that is the initiation of force. Um,
1: uh, no, at no, least no, under At least not, that's, that's not my okay view. Yeah.
2: Well, in any case, we don't need to yeah. revisit that. But at least <laughs> yeah. from my at least from my perspective, the, the issue is: does a proper government um, yeah. the, violate anybody's rights when it when it enforces a monopoly? on the protection of rights. And, right. and, and,
1: so and I think, you know, from my perspective, the, the differences, and this is probably straw manning or, or, you know, not quite getting it right. But I, I remember when I was um, struggling with this stuff too, and I had very similar arguments and, um, you know, I thought government proper government was possible and a thing Um and I think the sticky point for me was just what you guys have been describing here. Like I just had these visions of all out gang warfare and chaos and, you know, competing gangs and different things like that. And so I think it was just an, a lack of uh, understanding or reading. And, you know, it was ultimately like, I, I, I couldn't quite reconcile the, the ethical, how do I get past this? Cause it does seem like this is a violation of, of the, the, initiate or the non-aggression principle um but it, it was actually reading some literature that described how these things could practically work um without government where i was able to kind of let go of that hesitation so uh I, it probably sounds arrogant of me to say this uh but from my perspective it could just be a sticking point because a lot of the, a lot of the arguments i hear are based on practicality like this is the real world this isn't going to work this is you know um I- going to be gangs and and that sort of thing right and i I think maybe uh reading some literature about how private law how how common law worked you know it was it wasn't decentralized and it came close to approximating what might be objective a slob through a a decentralized discovery mechanism Um, different things like that but anyways to to me that's what where i think maybe the sticky point is from my perspective, but I don't think there's any fundamental uh, disagreement on principle or anything like that.
0: Well, I I would think there'd have to be some disagreement on a fundamental principle for us to not be able to reconcile these things. Right. Um, And even, you know, what comes to mind is even the nature of knowledge, because you're saying like being practical and looking at what is the real world like no, we just need to look at the theories and the fear, Like according right. to these theories, I've read, anarcho-capitalism would work. But I wanna, I wanna put a pin in this and and ask a question about whether or not it's worth us working together to advance the the principles we do agree on because, you know, that's something I'm debating, right? You know, should I run for the libertarian ticket in Canada or not? Cause I'm, I, I you know, identify as a student of objectivism. And, and I think also for young people really interested in these ideas, it's like, where is the time worth putting forward and who, how can we work together if there is what I think is a fundamental difference, but you know, Tim thinks might not be a fundamental difference. So are like what kinds of these conversations are productive or should we really focus on, you know, well, we're all, you know, mostly in most areas better than a lot of the other people maybe. And so like, how does one occupy their time? How does one spend their time trying to advocate these ideas? I I, I don't know.
1: Well, Uh, I'll, Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead, Dan.
0: Uh,
2: I mean, I'll I'll just say this. To me, it's very important that my views not be put in, be blended or seen similar as views I regard as disreputable. Um, Which doesn't mean I don't engage with the people or think that you know everybody who holds these views are like you know vicious or you know whatever. But that I want it to be very clear that I am you know I like my views are not nothing like anarchy they're nothing like i mean you can go down the list they're nothing like you know libertarian presidential candidates who said we should be able to own a tank like i don't want any association with those sorts of views. so that guides kind of my view about how i form alliances and how I, i i treat my ideas um but you know that but that leaves a lot uh a lot wide open in terms of what is possible with different people
1: yeah, and I think, yeah, I think actually you uh, exemplify, uh, you know, the libertarian spirit perfectly. Um, because most libertarians are like that. They don't want to work together um, because, uh, frankly, I'm the only actual libertarian with the correct philosophical <laughs> views. And, um, you know, you guys are all right. I posted a, a meme of uh, the Royal Rumble at WWE, and libertarian was on each person. And, you know, some of them, you know, I said, if you're an objectivist, you can tag team with the classical liberal, pile drive and AnCap, And if you're an AnCap, you can tag team with the constitutionalist to pile drive everyone else. And eventually you can turn on each other and have a battle royale. Uh, That's kind of how libertarians go.
2: And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. That's not – I want to distance myself from that too because I'm perfectly happy to say, yeah, my views are very similar to the classical liberal tradition and the kind of governments advocated by the founders and Adam Smith and and like – i I think that's totally legitimate, and there's even people who call themselves libertarians where I say, yeah, there's some differences, but you know we're I think roughly in the same page, but what I'm saying is i don't I, that that category is not a gaping chasm that includes something like anarchism, which I regard as a horrific anti freedom um uh phenomenon and and movement um and the same with kind of you know these like Tank owning crackpots. Like that's what I'm distancing myself from. It's not, oh, everybody has to completely agree with my view, or, and it's my view's kind of not similar to anything. What I'm saying is that there are certain things that are similar and there are certain things that aren't. And what I would want to make clear is that I view there to be a huge chasm between a fundamental chasm between anarchy on the one side and a free society on the other side, uh, that it's not kind of a small issue of degree.
1: Um, right, right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and 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 that's fair. And you know, you know, I, I think I have a bit more tolerance for other views. You know, I, I think, um, I, you know, I, I like to focus on common ground, even though I see any any um, support or uh, validation of the state as a giant chasm as well. I mean, I think it's completely antithetical to to human freedom to uh, support uh, an evil institution. I think that uh, most people who are classical liberal or objectivists or minarchists or constitutionalists are, you know, 90% in agreement with me. And I don't think that, uh, that, um, you know, going off on my own and distance myself from these people is, is useful. So, but, uh, but I think each to their own, I mean, there, there is something useful to the, like um, the, the stalwart kind of curmudgeon that says there 's you know there 's absolutely no agreement to be had there 's no reconciling with this person for x, y and z reason uh, I mean that sharpens um, ideas I think it, it it hones edges and and so uh, even if you 're not working together for common cause um, you, you are providing um, Correction, or or you know, uh, an opportunity to be more robust in your rebuttal, I guess, and, and flesh out your arguments better. So I think, you know, whether you well, like but, it or but, not, Don, you're working with us.
2: Well, but that's, I mean, this is. I, I, let me see if I can make this more clear. It's not an issue of the people. The people is a separate question. What I say is, what I want is, I don't want my ideas confused with right. those ideas and i don't want people to think that my ideas are anywhere near anarchy I, I they are near other kinds of views and that's and that's fine but it's an issue of the ideas you know not the people and it's not an issue of like 100% agreement or nothing cuz part i think part of the fundamental disagreement is that anarchists will claim that their position is you know like you said 90% similar To mine, and I don't any more than the fact that communists don't like racism means that I have, well, a lot of agreement with communists about racism. It's that no, that they're against uh, everything, including the foundation of why I regard racism as evil. And so it's, I view the same thing as uh, as applicable to the.
1: Sure. Well, I I mean. Look, you, you failed miserably if, if you're distancing yourself from anarcho capitalism because quite frankly I think we might have a hundred percent agreement, um, but, but but maybe you don't agree. Maybe that's where our disagreement is that uh, you don't agree that we agree. Um, so, right,
0: and that's where it seems like there's some fundamental issue because um, right. Yeah, I definitely I mean, he's think like the, he's like putting up putting up the cross
1: from... like uh, you know these ideas are vampi you know like a vampire to well
0: because like. <laughs> Anarchy does lead to war, in in my view, and I believe in, in Don's view. There's no other option. And so it is very important because, you know, if people project onto objectivism, if they see that anarchy and anarcho-capitalism is gang warfare, if they agree with that, and then they lump objectivism in with that, then that's very negative. Yeah, but right?
1: look, I mean, the states have been the most... Warring things. I mean, if you're worried about being lumped in with anarchy, I mean, what what, name an anarcho-capitalist society. I'm talking about a fantasy future here. And you, you know, you don't want to be lumped in with uh, a place where there's objectivist law and there's non-initiation of force. Everything's privately owned. um, And there, you know, everyone wants to outlaw aggressive force, but yet you have no problem throwing in with statists who, uh, states have killed what hundreds of millions of people in the past century. They've waged nonstop warfare. It's been a central, you know, a century of central banking and warfare and destruction of Liberty. Um, you know, I, pardon me if I have a little trouble, um, seeing why anarchists are the big threat here to your idea so and not status. But
0: we will not have enough time to unpack all of the errors in what you just said and <laughs> cover all of it. But I'm inter- I'm, I get frustrated when we get to these points in the conversation because you and I have very productive conversations about all sorts of other topics. Sure. Um, and so I want to get Don's opinion. If you, if you may be a uh, Tim and Mys couple therapist. Uh, in this I- instance, um, you know, is it worth continuing these sorts of conversations, you know, from a dialogue point of view um, or like, cause clearly there's a difference. Clearly I don't want to be associated with anarcho capitalism as such, but you, there is something to be said, like to try and convince someone, but it doesn't seem possible. Right. It literally seems impossible. So I'm interested to know how you approach in specifics, uh, like those sorts of conversations or those sorts of, um, like there's certain topics that some people cannot be convinced on. And so how do you approach that?
2: Yeah, well, that's what I was gonna say. So uh, my view is if your goal was like, all right, I'm really here to convince, I'd say then you're, you're probably wasting, each of you would be wasting your time. You know, you're adults who've read widely and thought about the issues. And I think there's certain, things that you know lessons we could extract about why i don't think persuasion would occur either in either direction here but there's plenty of people that i love discussing ideas with and i have no intention of convincing them it's in effect like a game and but it's it's not a pointless game because at least i get to articulate my ideas better think about how can i make them sharper and so I think it's totally cool. And and, like, and, and this is part of why I w- stressed, Tim, that for me, my point is not people. It was, I don't want my right. ideas confused. Like I have friends with some obnoxious ideas, um, and, right, right. Uh, but I love them and I love pointless debates with them because in the end, they're not pointless, even though they're not aimed really at persuasion. That there's, right. it's not like I think. Oh, I'm going to win them over or something like that. That's not why we do it. We do it because we're interested in ideas, and because there's um, a, a certain joy in kind of you know putting them together. And uh, but I put that kind of interaction and friendship in a different category than an alliance as part of like an active movement for liberty or something like that. I just treat those very differently, um, and and uh, and. And so I, what, I, I don't want to be. I definitely, what I definitely don't want to be taken as saying is that, like, well, you can't be friends with somebody you have kind of, yeah, yeah,
1: disagreement. No, it, um, right, and I, I appreciate that, and and I totally understand the. um, the desire to make sure your ideas are not lumped in with uh, other you know one of the big things, you know libertarianism and and this is probably a legitimate objectivist criticism of libertarianism is that we're too big tent right you know i i was moderating the libertarian convention us libertarian convention chair debate a, a few years ago and they had uh, a left libertarian on there who said property is theft or rent is theft or something like that And uh, I was shocked. I'm like, is he allowed to say that here? And people be booed luckily at the convention. So, but the the idea that some of these people can get into the movement and then, you know, so, so there are, are legitimate criticisms that, that libertarianism is allowing in, these kind of leftist things but there's also a legitimate criticism of the kind of libertarian to fascist pipeline as well on the other side I want nothing to do with either of these ideologies I, I want to uh, I want people to join the party that to come closer and closer to understanding um, objectivist ethics uh, you know I don't push anarcho-capitalism for example I, I you know, I say, look, I'm I'm interested in more freedom tomorrow than we have today, and I, I don't think that will ever end. I want less initiatory force. I want more personal freedom, more flourishing. Um, you know, and I want to limit government and lo- limit initiatory force. And. I don't think I'll ever be satisfied. Even if we had something we could call a stateless society, I don't think I'd be satisfied that there was enough freedom. Um, but I don't think we'll ever get there. So I think this is an ongoing process. And, and um, yeah, so I appreciate what you said uh, about that. And I think there is something to be said about kind of walling off your opinions or your, your, not your opinions, but your philosophy or your, your, your views from others and making sure that people know there's a distinct separation there. If you feel that's important. Um, and, you know, I'm a little disappointed that you think there, there needs to be a distinct separation between my ideas and yours. I think they're almost 100% accurate. But like you said, um, you know, I, we're probably not going to get anywhere trying to persuade each other. Although I do think that, um, like you said, having these kind of debates or conflicts uh, are worthwhile endeavors. I mean, for one thing, you know, our, our emotions get up. we We get frustrated. It offers us an opportunity to... Uh, deal with that and and try to be a little bit more constructive and think about ways to articulate our positions better um you know and i i find myself over over the past year kind of debating these topics with david i've softened my view towards objectivism you know I, i used to have this kind of view that they were kind of brittle dogmatists that didn't want to that that you know just blindly adopted rand's views and and didn't um you know, couldn't think past them or something like that. But um, I've certainly softened towards objectivism and to the point where I'm not sure that there's any disagreement um, even in our conclusions. I think we might be using different words or looking at things just from a different perspective, but ideally looking at the same thing, but just calling it a different name because we, you're looking at the front of it and I'm looking at the side of it or something like that. But um, yeah, so I think these conversations are worthwhile.
0: Cool. any last uh, thoughts
1: from either of you? Well, no, I mean, I would just like to thank Don for coming on and and being patient and, um, uh, you know, very kind of stoic and, and patient, I guess, with, with your explanations and your attempt to, to reach through my arguments. I, I know it was probably frustrating for you as it was for me, uh, to try to figure out how to explain our positions and get through to the other side. And, uh, Yeah. I, I thank you for entering the arena, so to speak.
0: Yeah. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Thanks Don and Tim. Um, yeah, that's it. That's all.